We are doing Pirkei Avos, Perik Beis. We are at the end of Mishnah Hay. This is a statement from Hillel. So the first part of the Mishnah, we already learned in the last two Shurim. And now this part, it says like this. I'll tell and don't say, Efna Eshna. When I have time, I will learn. Why not? Could be that you're not going to have the time. Now, um, I wanted to give you a little bit of a, 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 a different understanding, perhaps, on this Mishnah. The, the fact that, uh, that people shouldn't say, when I have time, I'll study, because maybe you won't have time later, that's, that's pretty obvious. I think people know that automatically, without really Pirkei saying that. Although, we did explain that Pirkei are the mottos. Each mission is a motto from, from our sages, and this is what Hillel used to go around saying, this is true, encouraging people to learn. But still, it is, it is something which is obvious. The Torah tells us, vidibarta bum, a person has to constantly study Torah. And we say this in Turkey of us two times a day, in the morning, at night, at least, and also Kriya Lamita. we say it. So people, people are pretty familiar with the fact that our conversation should be in matters of Torah. It also says, our responsibility is to teach it to our children. Vishinantam means, has the, has the understanding of, which means that people need to be sharp in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of Torah. So this is pretty, pretty, um, uh, pretty common knowledge. But I think that with your permission, Hillel is addressing leaders of the generation and people who take upon themselves responsibilities for the community. Everything from, from Kvura Sames to Hatzala to visiting the sick to taking care of people um, who, who need uh, ambulatory needs, all different types of things, raising money for Tzedakah. I do think that this is what he Hillel is uh, addressing, meaning to say like this. Sometimes a person can get caught up in community matters, and he's doing mitzvahs all the time, all the time. He's doing mitzvahs, but he forgets about the most important mitzvah, which is to study Torah. So a person can look back in his day and say, I did chesed all day long, great day, but you do have to have some Torah involved. So when I have time and I'm not involved in doing the mitzvahs that I need to, need to do, I'll study Torah. It's not like that. You have to study Torah and constantly study Torah and also do, do mitzvahs as well. The, um, I, I, my wife had an uncle, Reb Noach Weinberg, who's the founder of Asia Torah. And I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm exaggerating when I say that he, he, he spent... Uh, certainly during some years, almost half a year on the road, raising money for his yeshivas. And that raising money is not, is not conducive to learning Torah. It just, just isn't. Um, I, I've, I've been there, done that, as they say, that it's very hard to concentrate on Torah when you're going from one person to another, attempting to raise money. So what he used to do was he would memorize certain sections of, of the Gemara, and he would be able to say these things out loud to himself as he was going from one office building to another in Manhattan. He would actually learn Perky almost a lot because it's something he's familiar with, easy to learn. And he would just say it over. So he didn't waste time in between place and place from the study of Torah. So this is an important thing that you can't forget the study of Torah when, uh, when you are uh, 
when, even when you're involved with uh, doing things for uh, for the Tibor. The um, I remember years ago, story comes to mind. I was sitting by my Rebbe Moshe Halberstam, and there was a, a very important community issue that came up. And Rabbi Moshe Halberstam had, 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 had been very involved in, in, uh, in raising awareness of this particular issue. And they needed to have one Rav in Yerushalayim who would be in charge of making sure that this, this issue was taken care of. So one of the greatest Rabbanim of the generation, there was a discussion among the Rabbanim, one of the greatest Rabbanim of the generation sent, I was sitting there, sent his Gabai to Ramesh Halberstam, and he, with a message that he feels that Ramesh Halberstam should be the one in charge of making sure that this uh, situation is not going to, uh, not going to deteriorate, things will, will go well. So Ramesh Halberstam told him, he said, in, in, in Yiddish, he said, Tell your tell your Rav that meaning that I also need to learn Gemara. I, I don't have I don't have the time either. Um, meaning, don't just push it on me. I know you're busy. I know you're answering Shilas, and I know you're learning Torah, but I also need to spend the time learning. So eventually, they came to an agreement as to uh, how it was going to be resolved. But I, I just I remember the the passion which Moshe Halbushtam said, and, and like almost the sadness that I need to learn a blot of Gemara also. It's important for me to learn, to learn Gemara as well. The, um, you know, the learning Gemara or learning any part of Halacha comes from a, from a love of Torah, it comes from a certain love of Torah. If a person loves Torah, then he learns it. You know, I, 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 I once read years ago um, in, in a secular, or actually I heard it on the radio in Israel, in a secular uh, um, broadcast that someone complained, one of the secularists in Israel complained about Rabbi Vadi Yosef, and they said in Hebrew that Rabbi Vadi Yosef is, they were complaining about him. He, he's addicted to Torah. That's what they said. He's addicted to Torah. As if like, you know, you're addicted to drugs, you're addicted to alcohol. He's addicted to Torah. That's like just just disparaging him, you know. I thought to myself, like I should say that about everybody. Like they're they're addicted to Torah. That's a, that's a great thing. Yes, he's addicted to Torah. Yes, he was definitely addicted to Torah. That's a great mindset for a person to have. And even as the detractors gave him a, a tremendous compliment. You, you see that Chazal, our sages, were addicted to Torah. There's a, there's a fascinating Gemara in Gittin that is illuminated by the Yerushalmi. And the Gemara tells us that when the, the end of the second base of Mikdash was, was come, the era was coming to a close, when the, the Romans had surrounded Yerushalayim and the, the destruction of Yerushalayim was imminent. They were gonna enter the city, they were gonna destroy the base of Mikdash, there was gonna be a mass carnage. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was interested in preserving whatever he could from, from Yiddishkeit, from Torah, in order to continue Torah Judaism after the second Beis is destroyed. So he, he, uh, he, he, he hatched a plan to be able to get him out of the city and then um, speak to the Roman emperor, the Roman general, to be able to see if he could make some kind of an arrangement. So he pretended he was, he was dead and the the uh, 
the news of it went throughout Yerushalayim, and his two disciples, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, carried him outside, and the Romans permitted Jewish burial outside the gates of Yerushalayim. So they brought him outside the gates of Yerushalayim and uh, dug a grave, put him in there. But when nightfall came, he left the grave and he made his way toward the Roman lines. And the Gemara tells us he had a conversation with uh, Vespasian and he uh, uh, he permitted him to have, to save the Shalshelis of Rabban Gamliel, to save the family of Rabban Gamliel, thereby preserving the the Nasius, the uh, the Exilarchs, and thereby preserving the the um, the the future of Klal Yisrael. He also permitted him to save the yeshiva of Yavne and all its tamid chachamim. So he preserved Torah, and he permitted him also to uh, to um, he said he would he would he would medically uh, treat. Rabbi Tzadok, who was a great tzaddik, who was fasting for many years for the the basement that shouldn't be destroyed. Anyway, um, but the Yerushalmi tells us that the when when Rabbi Yochanan came to Rabbi Yochanan Zaka came to Vespasian, the king, the general was Vespasian. He later became the emperor. But when when he came to Vespasian, so the Gemara tells us the Yerushalmi both tell us that he he said Shalom Alecha Malki. He said in Latin. He said that um, he, he greeted him as a king. And Vespasian told him that you, 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 you really should be executed because I'm not a king. And he's saying that I am a king. But the Rishonli tells us Vespasian was, was, in his mind, he thought that perhaps Rabbi Yochanan is correct. And the Gemara says that uh, the Rishonli tells us that he wanted to check the wisdom of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan called him a king, and Rabbi Yochanan had said that you're not a king now, but you're going to be a king, so I'm right to greet you as a king. But he wanted to know if Rabbi Yochanan was really that wise. So he took Rabbi Yochanan and put him into a room, which was enclosed in six other rooms, and there were no windows. It was completely dark, completely dark. And he left him there. And every once in a while, somebody would come in and ask Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, what time it was. And Rabbi Yochan would always be able to answer with exactitude what time it was. He knew exactly what time it was. Even though no light could possibly penetrate from a room within six other rooms, couldn't, couldn't know, and he had no watch, he had no way of telling time, yet he always knew exactly what time it was. So the Gemara asks, how, how did Rabbi Yochan actually know? So the Gemara answers, the way the commentaries explain, he knew it from his girsa, meaning Rabbi Yochanan was constantly reviewing the Gemara. He knew how long it took him to get from one place to another. So he was constantly cognizant of the time that it was. You know, that they say about the traveler who, you know, he's just going all over the place for business. It's Tuesday, I must be in Belgium, right? That was Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, right? Uh, I'm on Masechtis, I'm beginning Masechtis Yuma, it must be four in the afternoon. I'm beginning Rosh Hashanah, it must be six. You know, so he knew exactly uh, what time what time it was. So the Chachamim were, yes, addicted to Torah. They constantly learned Torah. Um, you see that very clearly. So uh, we even see in, 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 in the morning, when we say our morning blessings, in the morning, after we say the bracha on, the, on Torah, 
we lasok with the Torah, that we thank Hashem for giving us for uh, we were osik, we were involved, we toil in Torah, we thank Hashem, Amim, you chose us from among the nations, but so he gave us his Torah, and we bless Hashem for that. And afterwards we say a, a part of Torah, we learn Torah. It wouldn't be befitting to learn to say a blessing on Torah if we didn't immediately follow it with Torah. What is that that we say? We say a Mishnah in Peah, Elu Devarim Shein Lehem Shior. And we explain all the things that have no end to it. You, you constantly are supposed to do it. And the end we say, the Talmud Torah And the study of Torah outweighs them all, meaning there's no end to the study of Torah. You can't say, okay, I've done a half hour, that's enough for me. You're supposed to constantly learn um, Torah. And th- 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 this, it's interesting that the, the Gemara tells us that way back, way back, when after Moshe Rabbeinu um, passed away from this world, Yoshua ben Nun, his main disciple, took over the leadership of Klai Yisrael. So Yoshua went to war with Yericho, and we're, we're, we're familiar with the history. Yeshua gathered together the army. They surrounded Yericho. They walked around it seven times. They blew shofar. The walls of Yericho fell, and Klai Yisrael entered into Yericho and took the, the city. But at the beginning of the war of Yericho, in, in the fifth parak, the fifth chapter of, of Joshua, of Yeshua, in verse 13, in Pesach number 13, it says that when Yeshua was in Yericho, so he saw a man with his sword outstretched. So Yeshua said something cryptic. Who was this man? Yeshua said something cryptic. He approached him and he said, um, Shalanu, are you from ours? Or are you from our enemy? And the man, uh, the way, this is the way the, the Gemara interprets it, said he is the, uh, he's the, he's the chief angel of Hashem. He's the Tzartzav of Hashem. And he's coming now. What does it mean you're coming now? Of course you're coming now. You're here. So Chazal tells us it's the Gemara in Erevin and Daf Samach Gimel and which is 63b. The Gemara says that because they were involved in the war, Klal Yisrael missed the daily sacrifice. The Tumid shall bring uh, by him, the evening sacrifice. They missed it. They weren't able to do it because they were involved in setting up their preparations for the war. So they also were remiss in studying Torah. They hadn't learned as much Torah as they should have. So Yeshua understood that this angel was coming um, as, as a prosecuting angel, but he wanted to know what uh, he was coming for. Are you coming for the missing last night's Tumid Shalbein Arbayim, missing the missing the, the afternoon, sorry, the day before Tumid Shalbein Arbayim, the afternoon's, uh, afternoon sacrifice, or are you coming for the fact that we haven't studied Torah? So the angel said, no, I'm coming with my sword outstretched to impress upon you the importance of now, of studying Torah. It's true that when you are engaged in war and you need to make preparations, it's not a time for studying Torah. That's true. But now is evening. Now is nighttime. Nighttime is not a time of war. So you should be studying Torah. That's what a person should be doing. You know, I, 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 um, I once heard from Rav Shalom Shvadron. Anybody here heard of Rav Shalom Shvadron? You did? I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> See, we share the same name. So, you know, of Where course. Is he? Rav Shalom Shvadron was, he's not alive anymore, unfortunately, but 
He was called the Magid of Yerushalayim. He was one of the last of the really great Magidim. These were people that um, would, would give homiletical interpretations of the Chumash and, uh, and Navi and draw life's lessons in, 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 uh, in a beautiful style. He was very well spoken. He had terrific stories. He was funny. He explained the Psukim in, in, a, in a beautiful way. He was, he was a, really, a truly great speaker. So he once said that if, um, <clears throat> if a story comes to your head while you are saying a speech, then the person should say the story. It comes from heaven. So I'll tell you a story that came to my head as I was talking to you. So the, the, uh, in, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the last century, there lived Rabbi Rami Shaya Karel. It's the great Chazon Ish. As you, as you know, we, we, we call our, our, our Torah giants by the names of the Svarim that they wrote. Chavetz Chaim, he had a real name, maybe Yisrael Meir, but we call him Chavetz Chaim, and we, the Chazon Ish was a Rami Shaya Karelitz. He was known as the Chazon Ish. A great, truly great man, um, the greatest of his of, of his time. The Chaznish had a had a Talmud who used to live in his house to help him with his needs. His name was Shlomke Berman, of Shlomo Berman, who later became one of the Rashi Yeshiva of Panovich. He was known as Shlomke Berman. This Shlomke Berman was a was was a tremendous masman. He was a person who was involved in Torah constantly. And one evening, while the Chaznish was sitting by the kitchen table studying Torah, Reb Shlomo Berman, little Shlomo Shlomke, came into the apartment, and he was completely exhausted, and he made his way, and he greeted the Chaznish, and he made his way toward his bed. So the Chaznish stopped him and said, uh, Shlomke, where are you going? In Yiddish. So he told him he's going to sleep. He said, Shlomke, sit down and learn five minutes. So Reb Shlomo said to him, Rebbe, if I was able to learn five more minutes, I would have spent the five more minutes in Beis Medrash, in Yeshiva. I can't. That's why I'm going to sleep. So the Chazanish said to him, I know you can't. Do it anyway. So he did. He learned five more minutes, and he made his way to bed. And the Chazanish said, you should know that the learning of those five minutes, when you couldn't, and you did it anyway, is more important to Hashem than all the learning that you did. You did it. You tried. You did it. I once told you a story of, which I'll tell you again, because again, a story fell into my head. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. When a, when a person can't, the lesson is when a person can't learn, it's very difficult. You do it anyway. And Hashem loves that. That really makes a person's character. So I'll tell you another story. Um, there was in the, in the 1200s, a, um, there was there was there was there was a yid, a certain Jew, and he he was married. He had children, and he made a living. But he, he spent the majority of his time studying Torah. The problem was that he wasn't blessed with great intelligence. He was not blessed with intelligence. Not everybody, not everybody is as smart as everybody else. He wasn't a, he wasn't a particularly bright individual. But he tried as hard as he could to study Torah. He tried and tried and tried. And every morning he would get up really early in the morning and uh, he would go to the, actually the women's section of the, of the shul that he was in. And he would spend his time trying to learn. But as much as he tried to learn, he couldn't retain anything. 
couldn't remember anything, and he didn't fully understand what he was learning. He tried and tried and tried. Anyway, one morning, in, in despair, he said, Hashem, please, just give me the ability to understand and retain one thing. That's all I ask for you my whole life. Nothing more. One halacha I should understand. That's it. That's what I want. And he was so exhausted with despair that he fell asleep. In his dream, he dreamt that Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah the prophet, came to him and handed him a glass of water. And he said, make a bracha. And that was his, make a blessing. And that was his dream. He woke up, and to his surprise, next to him was a cup of water. And he saw it, and he made a blessing on it, and he drank it. And when he did that, suddenly the world of Torah opened for him. All the years that he had spent in base Madrash, trying to study, and all the halachas that he, that, he, that, he, that he learned that he wasn't able to retain, suddenly he remembered everything and understood everything. And he wrote a sefer, a Kabbalistic sefer, which is known as Rakanti. The Rakanti is a very famous um, sefer that's a, a classic in, in, uh, in, in Kala Yisrael, one of the great svarim, because he tried. Hashem doesn't expect us to understand necessarily everything, certainly not, but Hashem does expect us to try. You put in the effort, eventually you are going to, you're going to succeed. The truth of the matter is that the Chazanish himself was not known as having a, a brilliant mind. He wasn't a brilliant person. The Ramadcha gift of the Rosh Hashiva of Tarvada, of, uh, of Tells once said that the Chazanish was not a particularly bright man, but yet he knew all of Torah. Neither was the great Rabbi and Vasaman. And both of them came, wrote books which are classics in the study of Torah. Chazanish and Alacha, he wrote on on parts of of the of the uh, of of, uh, of Shulchan Aruch, he wrote on on Zeroyim. He wrote on 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 the laws concerning um, produce in in Israel, in the land of Israel. Uh, he wrote a, a veritable Shulchan Aruch that nobody had written before. And Rabbi Hanan Vasiman's books on Gemara, Kovetsurim, Kovetsaros. These are classics. And anybody who wants to understand the tractate of Yuvamos, he has to learn Rabbi Hanan's Rabbi Hanan Vasiman's. Uh, and other Shurim he wrote as well, they were classics, but they weren't, they weren't bright, they weren't necessarily bright people, they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't geniuses at all, not at all. In fact, um, Ramadha Gifted one said that they weren't bright at all, not that they weren't geniuses, quite the opposite. But because they studied and they tried really, really hard, they ended up knowing the entire Torah, all of Torah they knew. They were well versed in all of Torah. And that's what they, that's what came uh, from them. You don't have to be a genius to study Torah. You just gotta, just gotta want. If anybody here speaks Yiddish, and uh, I don't see an Ashkenazi in the crowd here, the Abyssalay, Abyssalay, Abyssalay Yiddish, good. Yeah. Hashem. Abyssalay Yiddish. Okay. So somebody once asked, it's a famous story. The Vilna Gain. He said to him in Yiddish, "Vi Veltbin a Vilna Gain," which means, "How does one become?" A Vilna Gain. So the Gain said to him, a play on words, he said, Vilna Vestazina Gain. Vil in Yiddish means want. Na means only. He said, only want, and you'll be a Gain. <laughs> That's what the Vilna Gain says, a play on words. So this is um, what the Mishnah is telling you. 
take things. Another aspect of this is that means that take things seriously. Don't, even if a person at, at certain times cannot study Torah, but take the study of Torah seriously. That's what a person should do. Are we not supposed, aren't we not supposed to ask if we will be like Moshe, but rather be like ourselves? Isn't it the story of Zusha when he goes up to Shemaim and says, and I'm going to ask Zusha, why weren't you Moshe Rabbeinu? And ask him, why didn't you live up to the potential of Zusha? Right. So the truth is that everybody has within him the study of the ability to study Torah to understand something. Because I'll tell us that before a person is born, there's a malach that comes in utero that teaches every Jewish person Torah. And when the malach, when a person leaves, when a person, uh, when a human leaves the womb, he forgets all the Torah that he studied. So the commentaries say, why is it important that Torah is being studied if you'll forget it completely anyway? When a child goes to learn Torah for the first time at, at, at five years old, whatever it is, he doesn't remember anything of what he learned, nothing. So why was it important that the angel should teach him Torah in utero if he's going to forget it anyway? And the answer to that is that it's in it's within us. The potential heard, is there. It's there. I heard a nice, I heard a nice uh, uh, explanation on that in the past. It says that we should learn what we already know. The fact that we forgot it doesn't mean we don't know it. And by learning it again, we have an ability to learn it in a much clearer manner. That's a very nice explanation, which means that everything essentially for us is chazara. We are essentially reviewing everything, but it's a connection. We have a connection with Torah. So so a person should, when you're in a car, you could be listening to music, you're listening to the ball game. Okay, I'm not telling you not to listen to traffic or weather, which are important, but you could also put a, a you know, a CD or, or um, what do they do today? Flash drives. I drive an older car. I don't have any of these things. But put a flash drive in the car, and you can listen to a podcast of a year. You can listen to this year. You can listen to other podcasts of year. Not, not a big deal to uh, to have access to Torah today. You could be in North Dakota, and there are telephone numbers that you can call up today and have, have access to Torah. So um, everybody should study Torah on a daily basis and, and definitely take it seriously. I'm going to leave you with... Um, with, with, with a point which um, this is really um, a, a level that we only wish we were at. But um, even though a person should constantly study Torah, but you have to be careful to take care of your health. You find among yeshiva boys, when they go to yeshiva, so they, they, their minds start opening up about the study of Torah and they're so involved that they don't want to go to sleep at night. And it, it costs them a lot of times their health. Some guys don't want to don't want to eat. They just want to remain in base matters the whole time. And, and it costs them. Um, the Chavetz Chaim, in his yeshiva in Raden, Chavetz Chaim himself, used to walk into the base matters at a certain point at night and close the lights. He would turn the, the lamps off because he didn't want the boys learning yeshiva too late at night. I forgot what time it was. 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, whenever it was, he wanted the boys, boys to get uh, a certain amount of sleep. So he didn't want them to be studying late at night. Didn't want it. My, my Rebbe, Rav Abba Berman, Zechot Sagleracha, his father, his, uh, his name was Abshal Yosef. He's unfortunately um, uh, killed by the Amach and the Muhammad. He was a Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim. 
and he quoted from his father in the name of the Chavetz Chaim that we say in, the, in davening, in Hashki Venu, in Mayrev, we say, Vaser Satan, remove the Satan, Milifanenu, from in front of us, Umiacharenu, and from behind us. So the Chavetz Chaim asked, I, I can understand why you're asking Hashem to remove the Satan from in front of us. We don't want to see anything that we shouldn't see. We don't want to encounter any situations that will be too challenging for us. Yeah, we ask not to be challenged like that, but what's wrong with the Satan being behind us? Who cares? He's not going to challenge us in being behind us anyway. So the Chavetz Chaim said that means that sometimes the Satan says, learn more, learn more, learn more. Meaning at night, continue learning, and you know what will happen? You wake up for davening late, and your davening will be shlafedik, you'll be tired during davening, and you won't be able to function throughout the rest of the day. So a person does need to be constantly involved in Torah, but a person, uh, this is not directed uh, to me, but uh, it's directed toward yeshiva boys, that a person does need to have balance to know what a person does. The ways of the Torah are sweet and correct. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's uh, halavai, we should be at that level that we should love Torah so much that we should just want to constantly learn it to the, to the exclusion of everything else. But the fact of the matter is, yes, both things are completely true and both things are Torah. A person should learn Torah as much as he possibly can. A person should always take Torah seriously. That I'm not going to take it seriously. Yeah, it's not so important to me. But a person does need to have balance. Thank you very much for joining. I'll send out the podcast. You can listen to it. And we'll see you next week.